insightful podcasts by informative hosts. Insights into Things, a podcast network. to Insights into Entertainment, a podcast series taking a deeper look into entertainment and media. Your hosts, Joseph and Michelle Whalen, a husband and wife team of pop culture fanatics, are exploring all things from music and movies to television and fandom. Welcome to Insights into Entertainment. This is episode 121, If You Build It. I'm your host, Joseph Whalen, and my loving and inspiring co-host, Michelle Whalen. Hi, everyone. How are you doing today, dear? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. Anything exciting this week? Ooh, dentist appointment. Ooh, wow. Good for you. <laughs> well, for the, for the child. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was today. Oh, an orthodontist, so... Right. But I even get to go to the dentist. But you know what? This week was better than last week because she wasn't at band camp this week. That is true. Actually, you know, got to see her a little bit more. And, yeah. you know, she she's at band now, but at least it's not band camp. It's just right. regular right. band. So uh, so that's not what we're talking about no, today. It's not. No, Well, it is, and we've already <laughs> talked about it. Okay, so. on to the next. So what we are talking about today in our Disney Detective Will Disney Genie have guests spend less time in line? I'll believe it when I see it. Then the Beauty and the Beast stage show reopens at the studios. And in our Tales from the Edge of the Galaxy, what is Batuis and where do you need it? Plus, how Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie will differ from Ragnarok. And for our entertainment news, did Disney accidentally solve Hollywood's biggest problem? And will they really come if you build it? Yes? Yes, they will. By the busload, as a matter of fact. And as always, we'll finish up with our insightful picks of the week before some afterthoughts. But before we do that, I would invite our audience to subscribe to the podcast. You can get audio versions of this podcast listed as Insights into Entertainment. You can get video versions of the podcast listed as Insights into Things. Uh, we're available pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, and so forth. I would also invite our audience to, uh, write in, give us your feedback, tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, suggestions, feedback on shows that are coming up in your area so we can cover more geographic, uh, more geographically diverse group of shows that we talk about Mm -hmm. in our afterthoughts. Yep. You can email us at comments at insightsintothings.com. We're on Twitter at insights underscore things. You can get us at Facebook at facebook.com slash insights into things podcast or Instagram at instagram.com slash insights into things where you can get links to all of our social media and contact information on our website at insights things.com. Are we ready? Sure. Here we go. Go for Disney Detective. So our first article that we're going to talk about, um, actually, there's been more of an update that literally just came out about 
an hour or two hours ago, and we happened to watch the video that actually came out from Disney Parks themselves. But this article uh, was from WDWNT.com talking about uh, at last Thursday's meeting, uh, Disney CEO Bob Chepik had started to kind of hint about the Disney Genie uh, that was going to be launching in this fall. And again, like I said, since, uh, again, just a couple of hours ago, they released a video. We we went through it. Um, kind of confusing. There's still not a lot of information. Um, but the idea is that coming this fall, guests are supposed to be spending less time in line and more time having fun. He discussed that the guest-centric services that Disney has been developing for years, including the new uh, Magic Key Pass program for Disneyland and the upcoming Disney Genie app. He also noted that it would be more easily and effective uh, to navigate everything that the parks had to open. And again, more details would soon be coming out. And again, we did see some of that. Um, the idea of it is this Disney genie. And from what we saw on the video, basically it's going to give you a suggestion as to what time to go to a certain ride. Um, you'll put in your preferences as to what kind of rides you want, uh, that you're interested in, what kind of characters you're interested in, and it'll kind of put together a day for you. Uh, it's not the fast pass system because it's you're still waiting on a line, but it'll say, oh, this might have a 15-minute wait or this might have a 20-minute wait, and it'll even give you suggestions for food if you don't already have a reservation for something. It'll say, oh, well, since you're going to be in this area, here's a good location to, to go and grab a bite to eat. Um, and then on top of that, because again, this is the complimentary service, on top of that, there's going to be the paid service, which is the Disney Genie Plus, and that will actually tell you, hey, if you want to go on this ride, click here, and you basically make a reservation, and it might be within the next 20 minutes or so, and when you click on that then you have to go over to that ride um now again they didn't talk about pricing on this because then there's also the lightning lane as well which is another add-on service and that almost sounded like a a la carte really um service where it was like a specific ride you would pick to do the lightning lane uh, service for that. The one interesting with the Genie Plus that we saw in the video was that PhotoPass was going to be included with that. So that's kind of, that almost makes it a little worth it. Um, you know, if you're the type of person that likes to get those special photos taken by the Disney photographers, or now a lot of the rides have special photos um, as well. So it, again, we have to wait and see. I think you said you saw an article where it talked about it would be $20. Yeah. So I read an article uh, on CNN that went into a little bit more detail with it. Mm -hmm. So they had, they had mentioned that Disneyland, it was going to be $15. They didn't say what the duration per day, per day, per ticket, per, ticket, per, what, per whatever. They didn't, yeah. they didn't say that. So Disneyland was was listed as 15. Mm -hmm. Disney World was listed as 20. And the way they depicted it was 
your lightning lanes are fast pass, basically. Right. You can have one lightning lane active at a time. At a time. Once you use that, just like the old fast pass used to be. Right. Once you use it, then right. you can go now, and select something else. They did not mention what the ride restrictions were, but there are supposedly ride restrictions because the other thing that they're doing, and, and really what the Disney Genie is, it's a search engine with an AI. So what mm-hmm. they do is they they take your input, right. they compare it against what the known uh, line trends are that they have, and they'll suggest times to do the rides you want to do when it's trending lower. Right. Now, it actively adapts to the day. So, mm-hmm. right. so your tip boards that you would normally go out and look mm-hmm. at for your wait times are fed into this app as well. Right. So you're going to see that these apps are going to be updating those wait times. Right. And you'll see it live, which is kind of cool the way that they're doing Right. That. And also if there's a ride that's down, you'll see it. Right. And it's supposed well to reschedule, reschedule your, your, your day. day on the mm-hmm. fly. It's not – you don't just – Pick your stuff and have it set for the day. It's interactive. Right. And it's using a little bit of intelligence to it. And mm-hmm. I, that's the one thing I do give Disney credit for mm-hmm. is they've really thought this out. And they have it set up for multiple levels of people. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know anything about Disney, you could just go through and, all right, I like Star Wars. I like Pixar. I like this. I right. like that. Or pick the type of ride. I like coasters or I like interactive rides. And it'll figure out what you want. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a little more advanced, you can go in and pick the specific rides that you want. Right. Then when you have the Genie Plus, you have the option when you get your rides listed to pick your lightning lane. And the lightning lane shows whatever the next available lightning lane time is. You claim that slot, you show up at the ride, and you walk on just like a fast pass. And I believe it's the same. You have like an hour Time. Yes, they do give time you the time. Frame. They give you the time uh, frame window. Time w- the window in which to right do now. It. The one thing that they haven't talked about here, and I'm sure it's going to be talked about because before, when you had a fast pass, you didn't pay for it. If you missed your window, you were done. It expired. Right. You didn't. You know. Usually, well, and the same thing will happen here. It'll just open up, and you can get another window. At well, that, that I guess that's the question. Is since now you're paying for so many of the lightning lanes. I guess. Well, and the funny thing is they don't tell you that there's a limit. You could have right. one active at a time. Right. But how many do they you get per day? They did mention in the last video that we watched, you should be able to get on two or three of the rides that you want, which is roughly what you were able to do at FastPass because you could pick three things in FastPass. I was going to say three. One after right. That. Exactly. And sometimes we looked at and maybe got five FastPasses. Right. Passes, depending on how we depending scheduled Depending on how it. we scheduled the day. Right. So. so, and you could probably get away with that. Now, mm-hmm. the other thing they did mention is one, you're going to get, it's going to try to optimize getting on and off rides based on the, the trending. Right. You'll also still have virtual queues for rides that are resistant right. to they did anything say, where you had virtual queues before. So they kind of have these three different ways to try to right. keep it, you out it, of the line. It sounded like they were doing what they could to maximize your time on rides and not in line. Right. And Disney's doing this not to make it convenient for you, just to be clear. Right. Disney's doing this so that you're spending more time spending money at the park Right. And spending time standing in Which line. Which we've said for yes. years that they would so benefit from not having people stand in line for over an yep. hour when, like when we went to Galaxy's Edge and we had our our boarding pass 
for Rise of the Resistance, we went and got snacks. Yep. We went and, you know, did shopping. We, if we had been standing on that line, that's revenue we, that right, that's, Disney wouldn't have that gotten. That was out probably $600 they would not have gotten out of us. <laughs> yeah, they really got a lot um, of Now, us. I will say I am skeptical of mm-hmm. this because the technology they're throwing at this right now depends very heavily on what their traditional models are of their lines. Right. And as soon as you put this in place, it's going to throw that entire dynamic out the right. window. Because things haven't been right the same. Well, not even that. But you now have an app that's designed to optimize those wait times. Right. So you're not going you, – what you're going to see is you might not have really high wait times, really low. Everything might come in in the middle here. And that's really what an app like this – this is kind of what – this type of technology does mm-hmm. is it's designed to throw away those those highs and lows highs and, and lows. Then average you out into the middle there. So there's like a fifteen to twenty minute wait exactly for everything everything which, across the board, which isn't terrible. Which isn't terrible. I but would be okay with that. I will mention in every video that I've watched on this so far, at no point in time was Peter Pan's ride ever appearing in that app. <laughs> I guess we know it's never okay. going to. Because as soon as the rope drops, there's a 90-minute wait <laughs> for, for Peter Pan. It'll be interesting to see. Well, and and again, we're not planning a trip anytime soon. So if this is coming out, I'm guessing probably for October. Probably. Probably yeah. for yeah. the 50th anniversary of Magic Kingdom. So we can let all the bugs and... Everything. Uh, I think it's a move in the right direction. Absolutely. I think it's going to need to be proven out. Mm-hmm. And I think once those trends level out, mm-hmm. you're going to have to see if the system actually works the way they want it to. Right. And again, I'm interested to see, because you said it was $20. That was for the Lightning Lane. Well, 20 was for the Genie Plus. Oh, that was for the Genie Plus. Right. Okay. So if 20 bucks gets you your Lightning Lane and your fast See, I pass? don't think so. I think it's an additional for the Lightning Lane. Well, because the Lightning Lane's included with Disney Plus, is what a uh, Genie Plus is what they said. Oh, okay. Well, we're going to have to do some more research and more reading up because we don't want to misquote anything. But if it's $20 a day added on, that's not so bad. Because, again, if you're getting the photos, because right. just now, the photos were, alone are like 150 They were not very forthcoming with information on the photos. They showed you having access to PhotoPass right. and the special effects. Right. They didn't tell you if you were getting all those. Like, right. You could take a picture. Because one of the other things the article on CNN mentioned was you're going to have an augmented reality. The Snapchat so, filter, basically. Right. So yeah. you'll have the ability to pull up your camera through the app itself. Right. And, get and some Mickey of these or the ca- Right. Right. Whether or not that is photo pass like we know it or not is right. another story. Right. So. So, again, a lot to to kind of digest and a lot to And there's to a come lot out. that's come out on this already from multiple sources. Right. All having a different piece of the puzzle. Right. Like. So. Stay tuned. We'll probably have more at yes. some point in time. And, uh, as another sign that things are, are trying to get back to normal, we yeah, have a show so coming Yeah, so this was uh, kind of good news again. So the Beauty and the Beast live stay show that occurs at Disney's Hollywood studio has now come back as well. Uh, so it finally reopened after obviously being closed since the park closed uh, in March of 2020. So when the park reopened, uh, most of the shows hadn't 
opened up. So it's nice to see. Uh, we did report a couple of months ago that the Lion King show had opened up and now the Beauty and the Beast show. So at the time uh, that this article came out, uh, I think it was the beginning of the week, face masks would be required in the theater as per the current guidelines. So even though the theater, for the most part, is kind of an open air theater, it basically just has a covering, you are still required to wear a face mask face mask. So all the hit songs from the classic animated film are featured, starting off with Belle, and of course it wouldn't be Beauty and the Beast without the musical number of Be Our Guest. Uh, the show does close with its normal tearjerker of Beauty and the Beast. The finale, uh, the only change that was noticed in the show was Belle and Prince Adam skipping their kiss in favor of a more physically distanced farewell. So... No kissing. High five. High five. Virtual. Elbows. <laughs> um, so park hours uh, are currently posted through October 30th with showtimes listed at 11, 1, 2, 4, and 5 daily. So having, you know, so a, a good number of shows throughout the day. Um, obviously, before you go, check the website and check the Disney Experience app uh, in case there's any updates. So good news that, again, things are starting to open back up unfortunately the covid numbers are going up as yeah. well um and one of the other articles that i happened to see that i i didn't throw in was talking about because unfortunately the covid numbers going up a lot of people are actually canceling their reservations so the occupancy level at a lot of the resorts was up to about 95 for the resorts that are open because again not all of the resorts are open just right, yet right. but now they're starting to see uh, a drop um with people that are deciding not to travel. So it'll be interesting to see how things kind of go the next, you know, couple of weeks, couple of months even. So yeah. it is nice to see him bring this back. This is, this is probably one of my more favorite mm -hmm. stage shows yeah. that they have. One of mine um, as well. Cause it does a very good job of capturing the essence of the movie itself mm -hmm. in a quick 20 minute show. Yeah. yeah. The only dig I've ever had, is that it's not an air-conditioned theater. Yes. So I can't imagine how the folks in costume survive yeah. on stage in, in the summer. There. Yeah, yeah. So but Lots of ice, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Because they don't even air-condition the stage, do they? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm sure there's some cooling mechanism in, yeah. you know, in their costume. I don't know. We'll have to ask friends of ours that, that are former of cast members that, yeah. that might know. So. Uh, so that was all we had for our Disney detective. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Tales from the Edge of the Galaxy. For over seven years, the Second Sith Empire has been the premier community guild in the online game Star Wars The Old Republic. With hundreds of friendly, and helpful active members, a weekly schedule of nightly events, annual guild meet and greets, and an active community both on the web and on Discord. The Second Sith Empire is more than your typical gaming group. We're family. Join us on the Star Forge server for nightly events such as operations, flashpoints, world boss hunts, Star Wars trivia, Guild Lottery, and much more. 
visit us on the web today at www.thesecondsithempire.com. Go for Tales from the Edge of the Galaxy. So, if you say, Till the Spire, in a normal conversation, you'll probably get some pretty strange looks. Say it at Black Spire Outpost in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and, well, you'll still probably get some really strange looks. And it all depends on what level of a fan you're talking to, or whether they know the secret language of Batuu. So when Disneyland's Imagineers dreamed up the new Star Wars land, they envisioned a land that took place outside of the storyline of the Star Wars movies, and that was... Oh, jeez Louise, that's... Scared me. Special effects. Wow. Oh, oh. Okay. I, I got remote control monitors. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, woo, Live podcast. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> the, the force is strong in me. So, woo. So, when they envisioned a land that took place outside of the storyline of the Star Wars movies that was contemporary to Star Wars The Force Awakens, but wasn't contingent on any of the action in the older or still-to-come movies. So that meant that they couldn't rely on many of the franchise's beloved characters to create a true sense of Star Wars-ness. So what they could kind of tap into was that the galaxy far, far away had a vast and as of yet unexplored reaches. So they invented a planet that no Star Wars fan had ever been to and a planet with a village that serves as a trading outpost for local Batuines. Is that Batuans? Batuans uh, and visitors from a galaxy far, far away as far away as maybe Frontierland. Um, so what the Imagineers actually envisioned first was actually Tatooine. But when then-CEO uh, Bob Iger, according to the Star Wars Star Tours episode of Behind the Attraction, kind of nixed it in favor for theming it to um, kind of the seventh Star Wars movie, which at the time didn't even have a script yet. So that's when the whole brand new land came into being and the Imagineers didn't just want to invent a storyline um, and two rides to put you inside of mo some of the iconic pieces of the Star Wars uh, property. So they basically created this whole area, but they also wanted to create a language. So cast members in the galaxy um, speak Batuis? Is that what we said? Batuis. Um, so not to be confused with Arabesh. Orabish. Orabish, which is the written language of the land. So if you are in Batu, you would say bright suns, which means a good morning, or rising moons, which is good afternoon or good evening, or may the spires keep you, which is a phrase of well wishes. Or if you say, till the spire, which is a, a goodbye. Um, or uh, a data pad, which is your cell phone. Or if you would say, ignite the spark, that's how you would greet people in the resistance who then reply, light the fire. Kind of sounds like a So obviously there's more phrases and, and things like that. But what was interesting was in this article, the, the person talked about how 
they never heard anybody kind of speaking that. But again, they weren't dressed up as a resistance fighter either. So they were kind of wondering, well, maybe if I wear something, that'll kind of trigger different cast members to say different things. Um, but the interesting thing is that people, uh, cast members that are in the area, don't acknowledge other areas of Disneyland as other parts of the park. They say that that's off planet. So you're not on Pirates of the Caribbean, you're off planet, you're off world. And we even noticed that when we were in Galaxy's Edge in Walt Disney World, that they tried to... Uh, use different languages when it came to different things. Like when we had to pay for something, it was uh, 15 credits. It right. wasn't dollars or, or things like that. So they did try. Um, so it was kind of a, a cute little article to kind of help to get you inspired to, to visit. Obviously, the, the article goes on to, to talk about um, how you can actually download the Disney Play app and in your data pad that it has some sort of uh, translations as well, and that there was a Disney food blog that had a printable guide um, of other phrases that you could use as well. So, Yeah, and, and you're right. When we were down there they kind of did that but they didn't do it to the extent that i would have expected them to right uh, and i think for us it was probably because of the sheer volume of people that mm -hmm. were moving through there true uh, there was they build the whole thing as an interactive experience you could join the resistance you could join the first order and there wasn't really that presence there aside from the couple of the characters walking mm -hmm. around right uh, so that's probably something that they need to work on a little bit more, especially if they're going to try and make the Star Cruiser experience seem realistic. Right. And I think that's the other part of it, too, is that what, once you have the Star Cruiser, there's probably going to be more emphasis exactly. on yeah. it. Be because you're, that's part your excursion there is part of that Star Cruiser right. experience. And if you're spending $6,000 for your experience, <laughs> you want to have the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll see if, if more people uh, start talking uh, the, the new language or not. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Because I've read the, the novels that went along with it. and. Mm -hmm. They tie a lot of the stuff into the novels. In fact, the, the layout, you know, we have the right. the Sims add-on for it. Maddie, mm -hmm. Maddie plays that, and it's a it's a duplicate layout of what's there. So they they're they're going in big on the experience itself, and they want to sell it. Right. But I think your cast members probably need to have. A little they more probably incentive. need a, a little bit more training. Yeah. With it too. Yeah. So. So tell us about Taika Waititi's new Star Wars movie. So his upcoming Star Wars film has an opportunity to play to the director's strengths and avoid an issue that has many viewer that many viewers had with Thor Ragnarok. So one of he's one of the latest directors to have his name attached to an upcoming Star Wars project, although little has been uh, has been told about the in development film. Uh, while most of his work is undoubtedly, um, you know, he, he's known for most of his contribution to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's much more to the director and his style than his work on the third Thor movie. 
Over the last few years, he has now solidified himself as one of the most unique and quirky directors in modern Hollywood. After earning acclaim with 2014's What We Do in the Shadows, he went on what to- What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> I was waiting for that. He went on to direct Hunt for the Wilder People and then Jojo Rabbit in 2019, both of which featured the director's trademark fusion of offbeat humor and emotional drama. Uh, but even before Jojo Rabbit, the stylish um, Watiti um, had caught the eye of Disney directing the aforementioned Ragnarok in 2017 and then returning in 2022 for the fourth Thor uh, film, Thor Love and Thunder. He's also stepped into the world of Lucasfilms as a self-described Star Wars super fan directing and had having a small role in the Mandalorian. Um, so now again, we know that he's developing, uh, one of the newer Star Wars movies. Um, when he was asked, um, you know, if his trademark style would be incorporated, he said, I tend to go down uh, that little sincerity alleyway in my films. I like to fool the viewer into thinking, ha, it's it. And then them going, oh, darn it, you made me feel something. <laughs> uh, so the answer seemed to imply that he tends to take the viewer on a ride that will uh, bring out a genuine emotion and per perhaps even tug at the heartstrings. So if true, his Star Wars film might very well avoid one of the biggest criticisms of Thor Ragnarok, which is the tendency to undercut genuine emotional moments for the sake of a gag or a joke. So in Thor Ragnarok, it's easily the most comedic of the MCU's films, almost completely eschewing the grandiose sense of scale and drama that was found in the first two Thor movies. Obviously, in our opinion, the third one was probably the best one. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, better than the second, you, at least. You couldn't be worse than the <laughs> than, first two, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so while this approach has helped to make the film a financial successful crowd pleaser, many viewers who follow his work notice that the director's skillful blend of comedy and drama was largely missing. So the MCU's entry might have had a visual flourish and a great sense of humor, but his true strength as a filmmaker weren't, em weren't employed to their full potential. However, if he was given the freedom to indulge in the emotional drama missing from Ragnarok in the new star Wars film, it's entirely possible that the acclaimed filmmaker could craft an emotional resonant, deeply moving and uniquely special entry into the long running franchise. Well, and I think no matter what he does, he's going to do a fantastic I job. I think I, so. I am not aware of any projects that he's been involved with that haven't been successful. Mm -hmm. um, and he's got one big thing going for him. He's not Ryan Johnson. I was um, waiting. You haven't mentioned your, your bestie in a long time. That That <laughs> is a win automatically, not being Ryan Johnson doing a Star Wars yeah, film. Yeah, so. and I And I think the other thing, too, and what you could see very much from any interview that you did uh, when he showed up on the, the special editions of The Mandalorian thing is he is a Star Wars oh, yeah, fan. Yeah. And that's where... You know, you see John Favreau and you, you know, 
you see when they just talk about yeah. it, the love and admiration like that they have. Right in with Filoni and Favreau. Absolutely. Like, it you was, expected them during that special to just break out their figures and start playing with right, them the table. Exactly. That's exactly what yeah. you're like. Oh, you have this one? Well, this is what I have. Did you yeah. like that's exactly yeah. and that's what Star Wars needs. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's exactly, you need so, that passion. You need right. The, you need the people that want to tell the good Star Wars stories and be true to the universe, mm -hmm. not the people that are just trying to make a buck. Right. Like Ryan Johnson. Well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Ryan Johnson thought he was he was too clever for the rest of the well, world. Well, that's true too. So, so yeah. Uh, but that was all we had for our Tales from the Edge mm -hmm. of the Galaxy. We'll be right back with our entertainment news of the week. Insights into Teens, a podcast series exploring the issues and challenges of today's youth. Talking to real teens about real teen problems. Explore issues from braces to puberty, social anxiety to financial responsibility. Each week, we talk about the topics concerning today's youth. We look at how the issues affect teens, how to cope with these issues, and how parents, friends, and loved ones can help teens handle these challenges. Check out our video episodes on youtube.com backslash insights into things. Catch our audio versions on podcast.insightsintoteens.com or on the web at insightsintothings.com. Go for entertainment news. So will Disney accidentally solve Hollywood's biggest problem? Mm, probably not. <laughs> so from the fool.com, um, this article popped up and it was talking about how, um, you know, it's probably not the way that Walt Disney scripted it out. But when it comes to solving Hollywood's film distribution problem, it seems as if all roads lead to the House of Mouse. So Free Guy was the latest Disney movie to hit theaters this past weekend, and it's approaching distribution in an entirely different way from the entertainment giant's recent releases. Disney is also being sued by Scarlett Johansson, the star of this year's highest grossing multiplex release. So Disney didn't plan Free Guy's distribution uh, strategy. It also obviously didn't want to trade legal fisticuffs with the Black Widow star, especially since another movie deal has come undone as a result of this standoff. However, as unintentional of the, as these events may be, it could be the reason there's a projector light at the end of the movie production tunnel. So since August of last year, Disney's approach to its planned theatrical releases has taken one of two paths. Its biggest potential blockbuster hits at the time, uh, they were available through Disney Plus's direct access for anyone willing to shell out $29.99 for unlimited streaming access to the new release. So Black Widow, Cruella, and Jungle Cruise have gone this route, and it's not a surprise that they're the studio's three top grossing films of 2021 in the U.S. market. These films will also be available to all Disney Plus subscribers three months after their theatrical premiere. 
The balance of the Disney slate has either been pushed out to a later release date or just dropped into Disney Plus for the platform's existing subscribers. And that's what we saw with Soul and most recently Luca. So Free Guy is breaking this mold in that it's Disney's first Disney-owned release and more than a year to play exclusively in the theater. It's also a tighter-than-usual window of movie house exclusivity as Free Guy can be uh, streamed legally 45 days later, and this wasn't by Disney's design. Free Guy, like next month's uh, Shang-Chi and The Legends of the Ten Rings, all properties that the media company inherited with its acquisition of 20th Century Fox, they are all tied to earlier release deals. So making matters seemingly worse, then when that 45 window of theatrical uh, exclusivity is over, they're actually going to be on Disney Plus's rival, HBO Max. So not even on Disney Plus. So... Hmm, interesting. So this isn't a bad thing. Disney is now learning a lot about how about many different flavors of distribution. It'll be better suited to work out the right uh, levers if audiences come back to the movie houses or if they stay away, either as a result of COVID-19 um, or the evolution of the at-home-based streaming. So Johansson's uh, lawsuit over her Black Widow contract may be harder to sugarcoat, but this was a battle that, you know, was going to happen between studios and, and talent anyway. Um, she negotiated her contract to take a cut of the box office receipts before the pandemic and before premium digital delivery um, had, you know, changed everything. So this is a fight that kind of had to happen, um, especially since the future may not be as rosy as it had been in the past. So both parties are fighting for bigger slices of a thinning pie. And just as we're seeing salary caps for some sports leagues start to uh, contract as viewership diminishes, the industry, the industry is going to have a painful reality uh, adjustment as well. Um, so as everything kind of changes, you know, the whole negotiation of the win-win contract is going to come into play. Um, Disney didn't pick its cards. It was dealt the free, uh, the free guy card. It didn't want to lock horns with Johansson in the legal battle that it now finds itself. And now because of that, now it's possibly going to lose the Tower of Terror-themed movie as well because her production company was going to be doing that. Um, so everything, you know, is kind of up in the air. And as The Mandalorian says on Disney+, Plus, this is the way. Yeah. And this is the, the kind of that influx period that we had talked about mm -hmm. where – this was going to happen, I think, right. regardless because of this push to digital streaming. Mm -hmm. But the pandemic kind of forced it a lot sooner than anybody Absolutely. was ready for it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this is the way things are moving forward now. We're going to we're gonna adjust to it. Just same, same way we did, you know, when HBO first came out and you right. started getting movies over your cable box mm -hmm. and stuff. It, the entire movie industry was up in arms there. Right. They struggled and it to survived. Deal with it. Yeah, they struggled to deal with it right. and, and compensate for it. And then you came up with new rules around it. 
I'm not worried about Disney. I'm not worried about the studios. All the people that were making money before are going to continue making money. Mm -hmm. How we digest this stuff is really what's up in the air. And, And that's the thing is I think now being able to choose how you want to view it is a nice option to to have. If you want to pay $30 or $15 or whatever the premium amount is, because uh, HBO Max, it was $15 for the month, and it was like one movie per month was coming out. So, you know, so you could kind of subscribe, unsubscribe, you know. So basically you were paying $15 for that one movie or Disney doing $30. You figure if... A family of four was going to the movie theater. Right. You'd be spending a whole lot more, plus the food, the drink, and whatever. Well, but that's the problem. See, and then your theater industry says, well, we're right. missing out on all this money now. Right. But the other thing, too, is there are people that they prefer to go to a theater to watch the movie because Absolutely. they want the whole immersion. They want nothing from the outside world. They don't want... You know, the the neighbor's dog barking or the lawnmower going off or the phone ringing or this and that. You know, they want to be immersed. And some people enjoy going to the movie theater with, you know, total strangers that are in it so that they can (gasps) have that that all that moment together. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a demand for both mediums. The problem that you have is the rules do not apply right now to the streaming so this is why you have situations like scarlett johansson because her compensation package was tied Mm -hmm. to a a theater exclusivity right and you're going to have to change your compensation packages now moving forward are you going to give your your talent a larger cut of your streaming service now right i don't know if disney plus has been around long enough for them to determine if that's economically feasible Mm -hmm. And if it is, what percentage can they sacrifice to keep the talent happy? Right. It's just too new for them to do the right. economics on it. Right. And and that's the thing is it was going to happen to somebody. Right. Somebody was going to get screwed out of the deal no matter Well, and what. that's the thing. Had this not been forced down people's throats because of the pandemic, you could have brought your streaming service mm, out. Yeah. Not affected your theatrical releases, seen what your income was mm-hmm. from that, and then started to decide – Okay, right. we're going to bring theatrical releases to streaming now, and here's right. our compensation package. Right. And, you you know, the pandemic, one more thing the pandemic screwed up. You know? Right. Well, and the other thing, too, is Free Guy, that's been in the can for years. Yep. That was supposed to come out years ago. And because of the acquisition and because of the pandemic, it, it got shelved. Because right. I remember seeing attractions well, for this. Widow to a certain extent as well. Too. Right. And then, and that was the thing because Disney had so many things in the can that they finally got to the point, okay, well, let's put this out. Let's put this out. Well, let's because put, you every know. movie that they had, they're in the hole for at this point. Right. So at least if they released it on streaming, they were at least making right. something. Somebody so. probably should have looked at the contract with Johansson before oh, absolutely. they really start streaming, though. Absolutely. So tell us, answer that eternal question of if you build it, will they come? So we don't normally talk sports. That's usually not something that we, we've ever really brought up before in in any of our uh, topics. But this was just such a cool story that came out. Um, so in Iowa... A bus carrying the New York Yankees through the cornfields, blanketing the serene rolling farmland of northwest Iowa, 
One of the players noticed a difference from the usual arrival in the next city. The ride to Field of Dreams site to play the Chicago White Sox on Thursday night had everyone's attention like a bunch of kids who couldn't believe what they were getting to do. Uh, They said it was the first time people had their headphones out and they were just glued to the windows checking out the scenery. We had a lot of guys from different countries who really haven't seen the country like this or guys from big cities who had never seen an open field or stuff like this. It was just so it was pretty cool driving in and seeing everybody in town kind of standing on the side of the roads with signs cheering us on. So this made-for-TV event was delayed a year due to COVID uh, and had been billed as the first Major League Baseball game in the state that's usually focused on college or community sports. And it was spotlighting uh, by presidential campaigns and fueled by the uh, the hog and grain industry. Um, so Aaron Judd, I believe, was... Yes. Um, sorry. Yeah. Aaron Judge. I, I knew that um, <laughs> had said that um, it provided for a pair of picture perfect images launching two long drives into the corn stalks. Um, Tim Anderson uh, hit his eighth homer of the game and a two run liner in the ninth inning that lifted the White Sox over the Yankees in a nine to eight thriller. Anderson delivered a Hollywood ending to circling the bases at fireworks exploded. So what if it was more of the natural than field of dreams? Uh, the commissioner of baseball actually had said that this would not be just a one-time visit. He confirmed that uh, field of dream, a field of dreams game would be returning in August of 2022 uh, with the teams to be determined. So the made from scratch stadium was built to hold 8,000 fans to watch the White Sox and the Yankees play in one of the most anticipated mid August games in history. Um, and it was actually placed not too far from where the actual diamond was for the 1989, the 1989 film starring Kevin Costner. Um, and what was really cool about it was Kevin Costner actually came back for this kind of stealing the scene of the show with this slow, ponderous stroll out into the field, um, just like his character from the movie did. And he basically, you know, stopped and, you know, as he was talking, the real players from the White Sox and the Yankees emerged from the cornfield as well. So it was a very Hollywood movie moment that, you know, kind of got you all teary dyed, um, just how cool, you know, it was. Um, White Sox slugger um, Jose Abreu had delivered an instant uh Highlight for the first inning, hitting a line drive that zipped over the fence in left field and vanished into the corn. Judges connected for a three-run smash in the third and a two-run drive in the ninth. Uh, Neither was a can of corn because they both flew far away. Um, So there were rows upon rows of corn between the two fields. In fact, in the same spot where Shoeless Joe Jackson and his pals appeared and disappeared through uh, during the film, uh, 
you know, the, the players were talking about, you know, as a kid, you always wanted to go and visit. And here they actually had the opportunity to, to do it. Uh, the other cool thing is that there's actually a corn maze that's kind of built throughout it. And they actually told uh, the players to be careful not to walk through the maze because they didn't want them to get lost before going and, and playing uh, the game. Uh, they said it was just such a cool experience. Having all of the fans there was just so cool and just kind of emerging, uh, you know, was just very iconic. So uh, even if you weren't a fan of baseball, just being able to watch this was just a very cool event. Yeah, it was neat. And when they did it, it was, I mean, it was cinematic the way they did it. Oh, absolutely. Because they had the soundtrack of the movie playing mm-hmm. over the top of it. They had they had set up cameras that were panoramic um, line cameras, mm-hmm. so they were spinning around the entire field. I mean, it was literally set up to be a, a movie production. Oh, absolutely! The way they the way they did it, and yeah. it just you know they captured it in the, the way that they did. There's a couple of areas where it kind of falls flat, like you got a piece of fencing out there, so the people with the cameras are are hidden. Right, right. Um, but. You know, they came out in the vintage uniforms. Right, and that added to it, you know, um, as well. And it was just a gorgeous, gorgeous venue. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, it's a stone's throw from the, the actual field from Right, the when they do, you know, kind of a, a, an aerial shot, you can actually see the original right, field, right. which is still there. And that's what's kind of cool, too, is that that field is still there as well. So Yeah, and what was what was really interesting was they, they built this field – uh, Major League Baseball built a field mm-hmm. for an audience of about 8,000 people. Right. Because they put the stands in. Mm-hmm. The residents of Dyersville are um, a total of about 4,000. Mm-hmm. And they all had first choice for the open public seating that was available. Nice. So they gave them. And, and you had people that were from the original movie Okay. Are, they're like a costuming group. Okay. And they come out in the vintage uniform. So you had those folks that okay. were there to lend, you know. The, the ghost players. The ghost players, Okay, yes. right, right. So they were there too. Yeah, so it was just, it was really, really well done. And they've already announced they're going to be probably doing this every right. year Right, they now. said August of 2022, but different teams right, would right. be playing. I think that would be cool. And again, if it's teams that have been around to do their vintage costumes. Exactly. I think that I think that would be the thing is if yeah. you keep it the vintage game, yeah. that would be kind of cool. That was neat. And, yeah. Well, and they did say that the seats that were up for sale were going for around $7,000 oh. a ticket Whoa. to be there. So, um, but not an empty seat in the house, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, very cool story. Yeah, very cool. And uh, that was all we had for entertainment news, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll be back uh, in a minute with our insightful picks of the week. Go for your insightful pick. So my insightful pick happens to be a show that was on Apple TV, not not one that I would. We watch something on Apple TV. <laughs> you normally do. That's amazing. <laughs> But it was a show that I had heard about, and then once I heard that it was going to be on Apple TV, I was like, oh, we got to renew our subscription so I can watch this. And it is called Schmigadoon. So two New York doctors, Melissa and Josh, go on a backpacking trip in an attempt to patch up their failing relationship 
only to find themselves still arguing. They get lost and soon discover a magical town called Schmigadoon, which is perpetually trapped in a Golden Age-style musical, and soon learn that they cannot leave town until they find true love, which they thought they already had. So it's a very interesting take on the 1940s um, musical, movie musical, uh, Broadway musical style. Um, But yet the two of them are, you know, in current day fashion where everybody that they encounter in the town, you know, they don't know what a cell phone is. They don't know what a movie is. Uh, So they keep trying to, um, you know, kind of inform the the townspeople of, of things that they're used to um you know like they're both doctors well in this area of town you know there's only men doctors and the women are nurses and the women are the school teachers and you know that that whole 1940s thing um so it, it's interesting because um, the, the character of Melissa, she's a fan of movie, uh, of the musicals. So she kind of picks out, oh, this person is like from Carousel and this person is like from the music man. And, you know, so she's kind of using her knowledge of, of Broadway shows to kind of help navigate to try and get them to finally leave the town um, where Josh is like totally against it. He's like, I'm not going to sing a song. And it was like, no, you have to sing a song. If you don't sing a song, we're not going to be able to get to the next, uh, you know, the next scene or or something. And of course, in the end, they hopefully find true love because of course they kind of left it with a little cliffhanger. Do they actually leave or don't they? Um, So at this time, I don't know if it's been renewed for a second season. They could totally do one um but if they kind of left it as a one and done it would work as well so if you're a fan of the quirky uh you know broadway musical type thing or even if you're not because they poke fun at it too so it it you know it's something i think if we went back and and you watched it with me i think you'd have a good laugh at it too so okay good pick thank you So my pick this week is a new show that just premiered last week. We're only one episode in. It's actually came second episode came out today. It is Marvel's What the No, uh, Marvel's <laughs> What If. I'm sorry. Marvel's What If. What If flips the script on the MCU reimagining famous events from the films in unexpected ways. Marvel Studios' first animated series focuses on different heroes from the MCU, featuring a voice cast that includes a host of stars who reprise their roles. Following the creation of the multiverse in Loki's first season finale, What If explores the various alternate timelines of the multiverse in which major moments from the Marvel Cinematic Universe films occur differently. The first season of What If premiered on August 11th and will consist of nine episodes, including uh, concluding on October 6th. It's part of phase four of the MCU. Uh, A second nine episode season is already in development. Uh, Only one episode in, we as a family are already hooked. The animation and action sequences are amazingly fluid and lifelike. The alternate storyline of the first episode was fantastic. I won't give away any spoilers. 
Um, and it left us wanting to see a live action movie version of the events depicted in the episode. It did center around the events that happened in, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. And I think everyone was already aware of that. They've got the spoilers up on their site. So, mm-hmm. uh, there's so much potential for this type of show and the method of storytelling that they've chosen to use here. We're eager to see the rest of the series, what the rest of the series has to offer and are anticipating the touching return of Chadwick Boseman in his last portrayal of T'Challa before his untimely death. And that is actually slated for this week's episode. Yeah. Um, on a side note, one of the things that we did pick up for that, and we'll give you a cameo for that. You want to grab it? Sure. So one of the things that did come out for that, and uh, Michelle is a avid fan of Pops, and that is... The lead characters from this week's episode in pop form. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Let's see a better picture. Yeah, it's probably a better back. shot there. So it's Captain Carter and the Hydra Stomper. The Hydra Stomper. <laughs> Sounds like he goes around stepping on fire hydrants. Yeah, fire <laughs> hydrants. Fire hydrants. So, yeah, uh, this happens to be an Amazon exclusive. Yes, it um, is. So, yes, I am a collector of certain pops. And who is the uh, the best husband in the world now for you are. getting that? Thank you. You are. It's not too often I get to toot my own horn, but toot toot on that toot, one. Toot toot. <laughs> Because uh, you wanted the action figure, which right. is not available They're until not coming February, out until February. Which is so. going to be rough. So that's but I my, think the pop is cuter anyway. I, so. I do too. Mm-hmm. So that is my pick, Disney's uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe's What If on Disney+. Plus. We'll be right back with some afterthoughts. So what are we after thinking today? So again, as we had mentioned, if you have local shows in your area that you want us to to give a shout out for, please let us know so we can put them into our, our notes. So we have the Carnival of Collectibles, which will be September 11th um, at the, uh, the it's a free toy show that's at the Carnival of Collectibles. Again, that's a very unique, interesting shopping experience all on its own. So with a little toy show added, not a bad day. Um, also hosted by toyshows.org is the Delaware train show and the Oktoberfest toy show, uh, October 9th and 10th. That's the one that is held in uh, Newcastle, Delaware at the Nurse Shrine Center, one of our favorite locations to go to for the toy show. Um, And then September 25th and 26th at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. Retrocom. (laughs) Another fan favorite uh, of ours uh, that's done very well. Um, Lots of retro toys and collectibles. Some new stuff um, shows up there as well. Lots of pops usually. Um, They usually have the 501st is usually there with a little setup. And they do have a couple of celebrities that that show a lot up. of costuming groups that's where yes. your uh gi joe costuming group shows up at. right right a couple of vehicles are usually, usually the, there uh, van is there right yeah. so a couple of different uh celebrities well, are there last time they had gil gerard there from buck rogers right and they they do a couple little panels too so not huge mm-hmm. um so it'll be interesting to see 
um, you know, how they, they handle it. I think Sunday they do a costume contest, and I think Saturday they do a retro t-shirt contest or something. If you go to their website, there's more information, and as it gets closer, we'll give a, a little bit more out. Um, then this past weekend, you had the one Monster Mania, but then in September, the 24th through the 26th in Hunt Valley, Maryland, will be Monster Mania 47, and then October... Moving to Oaks for the first time is Monster Mania 48, which would be very interesting to see because it's not a venue that they normally hold it at. Unless it's 120 degrees and they do it outside. And they do it outside, so completely different. Um, And then the first weekend of October, also at the Greater Philadelphia Expo Center, is BrickFest. So if you have little ones or you are into Legos, this is a very cool event to go and see uh, you know who's into Legos. Who's into Legos? Vet Nicole Brown. Oh, is she? Yeah, she you're got, gonna invite her. She got one for for her birthday that she posted <laughs> on Instagram, uh, Twitter. You are such a name dropper. <laughs> you're so funny. Well, you should tell her. Hey, why don't you come to Philly? Because Brickfest is is coming. Well, next time I talk to her, I'll let her okay, know. you let her know and and tell her that we might be there one of those two days. So sure. again, really kind of a, a cool event. Uh, hard to find Legos are usually being sold there, along with current ones, and you know displays from the the tiniest little thing up into big giant you know star huge destroyers. star destroyer displays. Yep. And that's it for now. It was now. a life-size Star Destroyer, too. Yes, it was. Yes, if you were really small. <laughs> really small Lego guy. Uh, so anyway, that's all we got. We'll, uh, I guess once we get into September, we'll rotate into the next. Yeah, we we're almost. December stuff to. Uh, we have November on. and December. November and December, yeah. We're running out of time in this year. Oh, my God. So anyway, uh, I think that was it, right? Before uh-huh. we go, um, I would once again um, invite our listening and viewing audience to subscribe to the podcast. You can get audio versions of this podcast listed as Insights into Entertainment. Video versions are listed as Insights into Things on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and anywhere you can get a podcast these days. I would also Invite you to write in, give us some feedback, give us some shows that we can plug for you in your area too. Uh, you can email us at comments at insightsintothings.com. You can find us on Twitter at insights underscore things. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash insights into things podcast. You can find us on Instagram at instagram.com backslash insights into things. Audio versions of this podcast can be found on the web at podcast.insightsintoentertainment.com. You can find video versions of our podcast at youtube.com backslash insights into things. We do stream uh, five days a week on Twitch, YouTube, and a few other places. Um, on Twitch, we're at twitch.tv slash insights into things. If you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, you do get a free monthly Twitch Prime subscription. We would greatly appreciate it if you subscribed to our podcast on Twitch. And if you forgot any of those links or just want to go to our main site that has links to every place else, you can find us at insightsintothings.com. That's it. Another one in the books. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.